You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and this is the finale of our first Broadway tournament. Thank you for joining us on the previous two episodes. If you are starting here, then you should probably go back because you're going to have everything spoiled for you. But today is our finale. And uh, once again, uh, we are not joined by Ken, Matt, and Jeff. Uh, and I know it's uh, sad, of course, but a fact is still a fact. And now all that remains is the remains of a perfect quadruple act. Um, but <laughs> as you've uh, heard on the previous two episodes, uh, filling in for Ken, Matt, and Jeff uh, is the wonderful Kellen McGuire. How are you, Kellen? I'm good. It's stressful to be filling in for three people at once, but um, I'm chair hopping. Yeah, you're chair hopping. You have uh, Chaz the bunny. Uh, I do. In He's front with of you. me. He's helping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for writing all the questions for this tournament. Uh, it's been super exciting, and uh, we're going to get to our final three competitors in one second. But I did want to ask you, Colin, we were talking before we started recording about vocal warm-ups, as all of us here were warming up before the episode, but you have a particular one that uh, you are fond of. Is that right? I do. Um, it was one I was just remembering the other day that I would do um, in college before shows. Um, and it was fun to get our directors in on it. Uh, and it went a little something like <laughs> someone has been my man. I'll find another better than the other. <laughs> Well, sorry for all the bleeping there, everyone. But yes, that was a, a really great vocal warm-up, Kellen. It's about friendship. It, well, very <laughs> very much so. Um, and uh, I appreciate your friendship. So thank you for joining uh, today. Well, that's, I appreciate your friendship, too. Even though we haven't seen each other at Trivia in a while, yeah. it's been nice to stay in touch um, virtually. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I know it was tradition, uh, but uh, you know, a couple more sunrises and sunsets and we'll we'll be back. So... Um, I want to introduce uh, our first competitor in the final. Uh, they were the winner of episode two, uh, and uh, really glad to have him back. And that is Keith. How's it going, Keith? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. This is a fun little uh, mini tournament here. Glad okay. to be part of uh, both episode two and the finals here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, great job last episode. Uh, anything new since we've talked to you? Any other uh, Broadway uh, show tunes you've been listening to on repeat? Uh, yeah, I honestly, in sort of a way to prepare, I've been listening to my iTunes Broadway playlist on shuffle 
just trying to uh, make sure I get it in the heights. Uh, there were no songs that would have given me piano that have come up in this past week. So um, <laughs> I'm hoping maybe something else did pop up that I will uh, be able to pull today. Great. And I, I know you did share with me your uh, your shuffle along shuffle playlist. Is that right? <laughs> I can. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Just uh, sit down and uh, don't rock the boat. There you go. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, great job last week and uh, good luck today. Our next competitor uh, is someone we've had on the show before uh, who has a great show himself, and that is JP Adams. How's it going, JP? Hey, it's going well, Neil. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here for the finals. Of course. Always great to see you. Uh, and uh, since we've talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, anything new in uh, your world? Uh, nothing new, just still running tournaments, still working on my show behind the scenes. Uh, I did, after our show, decide to go back and watch, or actually not watch, but listen to uh, a soundtrack of a new show that was supposed to debut on Broadway this season, and that was six. Uh, I had, I, I know, I try to put off uh, listening to shows until I legitimately know I have no chance of seeing them anytime before they debut. And I knew it was a big thing in Britain. I knew that it had a great uh, off-Broadway run. And I was just waiting to see if I was going to get a chance to see the show. And I'm like, you know, I've heard way too many good things about this show. I'm just going to listen to the soundtrack. And I've been running shows the past few days, and it has been on repeat the entire time. That show is fantastic. If you have not listened to Six, dear God, search that soundtrack out. It will be fantastic for you. When that was in Chicago... Um... It was a big thing. Like my friends were all very excited about it. So for the last two years, that's been like the soundtrack that uh, I tell people to listen to. It's a great show. And I was very much looking forward to it on Broadway. Um, speaking of six, uh, our next uh, competitor, I think knows a little bit uh, about that show. Uh, maybe they can talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, we're very, very happy to welcome back uh, Jamie Morelli uh, to the show. How's it going, Jamie? Good. How are you, Neil? Thanks Good. for having me back. Of course. Uh, and as I said, you know a little bit about um, The Sick Show. Uh, what's your connection to that? So my aunt actually was the music director for the pre-Broadway at Chicago Shakes. And they Are brought you her kidding? With the music director of it on Broadway. So yeah, like right before COVID hit, I was like on my way to New York to see it. And then Broadway shut down. So that I couldn't see. I had tickets to Company with Patty I couldn't see. I had tickets to Moulin Rouge I couldn't see. So this dang sickness ruins everything. But yeah, it was really fun to see it here in Chicago and like she was a big part of it and I got to go to some backstage things and meet all the queens. So yeah, it's an awesome show and my Spotify, like whatever top 100 the last two years, six has just been like my top songs for the Me last two. <laughs> Heart of Stone is just like number one always. <laughs> Well, thank you for, for joining us, Jamie. Uh, and um, I know we mentioned uh, your aunt on the last episode, and uh, she's supremely talented. Do you want to give her a shout out? Yeah. Hey, Auntie Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Roberta Duchak is her real name if you want to look her up. Roberta, uh, super, super talented. Uh, and as I said last episode, Jamie's mom, uh, also uh, super, super talented, Diane Morelli. Um, so uh, we have all our competitors here ready to go. I'm excited. Um, I don't know what the questions are. Uh, I, Kellen did not share them with me, uh, despite numerous uh, requests. Um, Absolutely not. Yes. Uh, but we are ready to go. Um, Kellen, I guess, take it over. I'm ready to, to score over here. Great. Okay. So let's get started. Um, question number one, Adam Gattel is a third generation composer. 
He wrote the music and lyrics for The Light in the Piazza and won the Tony for that. His mother, Mary, was the composer of Once Upon a Mattress, and his grandfather co-wrote many shows, including Pal Joey, The King and I, The Sound of Music, and South Pacific, as part of two famous composing duos. Who is Gattel's Pigot grandfather? Locked in. Uh, you really started off with a good one for me, Callan. <laughs> I don't even know what Pigot means. I can I think EGOT, but add a Peabody in there. Okay, or, no, sorry, a Pulitzer, a Pulitzer, not a Peabody. <laughs> um, um, Richard Rogers. Okay, Jamie I'm... is in with Richard Rogers. Uh, let's go to Keith. I also said Rogers. And JP. Looks like this is going to be a sweep. I also had Richard Rogers. <laughs> Jamie's face when Keith said Richard Rogers. It is. Um, uh, I, okay. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, as part of Rogers and Hart with Lorenz Hart, of course, and Rogers and Hammerstein with Oscar Hammerstein. The like additional fun fact about him is that um, the theater that was named in his honor has the most Tony wins for best musical and best play. So he's a little bit extra, extra special. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And I, I believe uh, Pal Joey is the musical that Chicago comes from that Frank Sinatra made famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, my memory says so, so I'm trusting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so following up with that, for which of those four shows that I just listed, Pal Joey, The King and I, The Sound of Music, and South Pacific, did Richard Rogers win the Pulitzer? I could lock in with a guess. 25% chance. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a little bit bonus fact while you think. Um, <laughs> I have a ton of these. Um, there's only two Pigots uh, with Pulitzer and Egot, and that's him and Marvin Hamlish. Oh, wow. Now, did the Pigots, once they achieved that status, were they gifted a Peugeot car? If they weren't, it's a crying shame. I agree. Um, just for the joke's sake, you know? I agree. I, it, it'd they be have a good to joke. win a Univision Award to get the Peugeot. There you go. Oh, that's true. Normally, the Pulitzer goes to a piece of work that is more Americana in origin. So for that reason, I'm going to lock in with South Pacific. All right, JPN with South Pacific. Let's go to Jamie. You put way more thought into that, but I also said South Pacific. <laughs> South Pacific is like the most Tony awarded show between like the originals and the revival. So we'll give it to South Pacific. All right, same answer for Jamie and Keith. All three of us said South Pacific. That is correct. Uh, it is South Pacific. Wow, this is good. I like having a little bit of competition going into each question. You know, everybody's tied so far. Okay, question three. Arguably Tony Kushner's most well-known play, also had an HBO miniseries, held the record for the most Tony nominations for a non-musical play with 11 until 2020 when Slave Play received 12. What is that play? And you can give me the overall title because each half has its own kind of subtitle. This is so annoying because I was just looking at the, the Tony Awards thing before this and I memorized that 
Slave Play was the most nominations. So you can't. I had to change this question when the Tony Award nominations for 2020 came out because I wrote, I started writing this a while ago and I had this uh, quiz all set and ready. And then um, I was talking to my friend, Jesse Oliver, who um, helped me kind of uh, play test a little bit. Um, and she said, oh, actually, Slave Play just got 12. So you have to change that. Ugh, I'm such a musical theater person. I'm so bad at plays. <laughs> um, I know Coast of Utopia has the most Tony wins, so we'll just say maybe it has the most nominations, too. All right. Coast of Utopia for Jamie. Let's go to Keith. Uh, I said Angels in America. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, uh, audible uh, gasp from Jamie uh, and JP. I believe the millennium approaches before Perestroika, and the answer is Angels in America. Okay, um, the correct answer is Angels in America. First part, Millennium Approaches. Second part, Perestroika. Um, and that miniseries is pretty star-studded, um, which I didn't realize before I watched it. And I was like, it's Meryl Streep. It's, it's Patrick, uh, what's his name? One of our favorite and most treasured American stars, Patrick, what's his name? Yeah, it's star-studded. It has Meryl Streep, Al Pacino, Patrick Wilson. Thank you, uh, Mary Louise Parker, and then two other actors whose names I'm forgetting. But you see them in Law and Order all the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'd be remiss. I think I did it on the first two episodes talking about uh, how excited I am for Spielberg's West Side Story. But Tony Kushner wrote the script for that upcoming adaptation. <laughs> okay, uh, on to question. Four, the Android Weber adaptation of The Wizard of Oz followed the movie's lead, giving Dorothy a pair of magical ruby slippers to take on her journey. However, The Wiz followed L. Frank Baum's original story and used what color slippers? I'm wondering, is Emerald 2 on the nose as an answer here? I guess it's not. I'm going to go with Emerald for sake of I actually don't know what this is. All right, JP in with Emerald. Let's go to Jamie. Silver. All right, silver for Jamie and Keith. Luckily, I just know this from the um, what color was Dorothy's <clears throat> slippers in the book because uh, I've only seen The Wiz live that, and that was once however many years ago, but it is silver. That's correct. It is silver slippers. I was in The Wiz, so I was going to be really sad if I <laughs> got <laughs> Think about how important it is uh, for you know, creators, whether, you know, choreographers, directors, uh, doing a show like this. And if you were in the whiz once and they, they were like, I don't like the silver, let's just make it emerald. And that's all you knew. <laughs> and, you, know, <laughs> you can really shape someone's uh, opinion there. Then they come on a trivia podcast and they just get it wrong because they're misled their whole life. There you go. Abject humiliation for that director. Um, okay. Question five in Harvey one of Broadway's longest-running plays, Elwood P. Dowd has a, quote, friend named, of course, Harvey, but he isn't an ordinary friend. What is so odd about Harvey? This was also made into a really good Jimmy Stewart movie. If I could do a Jimmy Stewart impression, I sure would do one <laughs> about now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to lock me on, in with put, a guess. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> 
mean, what did I say about questions about plays? I'm very sorry. That would be the last one. <laughs> I think it, I, oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I'm just going to guess that he's imaginary. All right. Uh, imaginary uh, from Jamie. Uh, let's go to Keith. Uh, I'm not sure how detailed, but I said he's a seven foot invisible rabbit. And JP. I just put that I remembered that Harvey was a rabbit. I will accept all of those because he is an imaginary six foot three and a half anthropomorphic rabbit, which is a manifestation of a puka, which is like a spirit, like a Celtic folklore kind of spirit, which (laughs) it either brings good or bad fortune. It's really vague. It could be either. (laughs) I don't My ancestors had very odd ideas of uh coming up with consistent folklore (laughs) that's a fun uh jimmy stewart performance in that one uh, just because everyone thinks he's insane that i think that's what makes the play so good is that you think that he's really making it all up and then at the end you see that harvey was real the whole time um it's pretty genius in my opinion before the sixth sense that was the original twist the original Shyamalan. Um, after five questions, it looks like Keith is betting perfect with five points, and JP and Jamie are holding steady with four points apiece. Okay. What is the most revived musical in Broadway history? I'll give you the hint that it was originally staged as an opera. And for those of you who have bought the question a day, 2021 calendar from Oaks Media Group. This is the question that comes up on my birthday, which I didn't know until last week when I peeked at the calendar. So I felt like it was fate. Well, happy early or late birthday, uh, January 9th, Kellen. Thank you. To me and Dave Matthews and J.K. Simmons and Richard Nixon and James A. Castor. <laughs> Not my tempo. Not my tempo, Kellen. Uh, <laughs> So I'm stuck between Porgy and Bess and Carousel. And I think just because you are asking for the most revived musical, and I believe Porgy and Bess has moved fully into the opera canon, I think I'm going to lock in with Carousel because I know there was a revival that happened past five or ten years. So I think I'm going to lock in with Carousel. Okay, JP with Carousel. Let's go to Jamie. That sounds way righter than my question. My answers um i narrowed it down to beggar's opera and candide but those both feel kind of opera-y to me but i'm not going to steal your answer jp so i will go with beggar's opera (laughs) all right beggar's opera for jamie and keith i had a real tough go at it um poor game best thing come to mind but i i think that might be it um i know fiddler on the roof has been a lot but i don't i don't think that ever started as an opera um I, I went with a, a musical that I think uh, I, I've never seen, but it's called Three Penny Opera. So I thought maybe it was an opera at one time. So I went with Three Penny Opera. Um, all of those are good guesses. It is Porgy and Bess. Um, it's a little bit of like a uh, hi- the history of it um, and its various adaptations. It kind of like goes back and forth between opera and musical in terms of like how people see it but by like playbill and broadway.com they consider it a musical 
Um, it was revived. It premiered in 1935, and then it was revived in 1942, 43, 44, 53, 76, 83, and 2012. Is that Gershwin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was glad to hear you referenced Three Penny Opera, though. Brecht. Ooh. Shot in the dark. <laughs> um, okay, then. On to question seven. The only cast replacement in Tony history to be given a nomination. Larry Kurt replaced Dean Jones as the lead in what frequently reimagined Sondheim musical recently parodied by Documentary Now? Locked in. I can lock in. I have it narrowed down to two and I can... I, no, I'm, I haven't locked it. <laughs> All right, Jamie is in and so is JP. So what are you thinking, Keith? I I was racking my brain for it because I just heard I in prepare, pre- preparation for this I did some downloads of some other Broadway podcasts and sister um uh, sister podcasts uh, misinformation did a couple ones and I listened to it like uh, uh, before we taped part two and I was like I haven't seen documentary now they talked about it and I was like I've never seen the documentary of Sondheim but I've wanted to as soon as they mentioned it, I was like I really should watch that. And I was like, what is it from? Like, what show could it have been? And I was like, I need to remember. I need to remember. I could not think of anything. And then it came to me that the documentary now was called Co-op. So the um, Sondheim one was Company. All right, Keith, in with Company. Let's go to JP. Esparza is great in this revival. And I believe I actually talked about this revival on the last show. This is Company. And Jamie. As it was the show I was going to see on Broadway, I said Company. It is company. Because we had just been talking about it, I was going to feel very bad if um, you guys didn't get this. Um, yeah, Dean Jones left the show pretty early. Um, I think like a couple weeks into and was replaced by Larry Kurt, who y'all might have heard on the original cast recording of West Side Story. Um, but because he, for like all intents and purposes, played the role for the amount of time that it takes to be eligible for a Tony, I think they were like, he qualifies um, but you can hear both of their versions of being alive on the original soundtrack, and they're both fantastic. I love this episode of Documentary Now. Uh, some great Broadway oh talent. Uh, Alex Brightman's uh, song, I, I Did a Little Cocaine Tonight, is really great. <laughs> uh, Renee Ellis Goldberry. I mean, just so many great people, great performances, and uh, I'd see that show, even though it was a train wreck. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've watched that episode like 15 times at this point. Um the soundtrack on Spotify has like extra verses for these songs. And I'm very disappointed that they didn't make it into the um, episode because they're hilarious. <sighs> okay. Question eight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which rhyming mnemonic device would Tudor history buffs and fans of the musical six both be familiar with? <laughs> I'm just watching You can't get this question wrong. Rhyming mnemonic device. Yeah. So, like, if you're a history buff, you would use this to, like, help you remember things, but it's featured in the musical. I'm literally about to sing the entire show to you guys until I get there. You, you'd, you'd get there very quickly. You should, so, yeah. And, you're, and Roberta's going to be very angry if you don't get this right. You should just try it. Divorced, beheaded, died. <laughs> oh, that is that it? Divorced, beheaded, survived. <laughs> so, so what's your official answer then? 
contestant to ever be on this show. Divorce, beheaded, died. Divorce, beheaded, survived. All right, Jamie is in and also uh, saved the uh, the name namesake of his family. Uh, Keith, answer. Uh, yeah, I wrote down divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. And JP? Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. That is correct. I have no poker face. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I think that the Venn diagram of Tudor history buffs and fans of the musical six should be a circle. Um, I think we're working on it. Um but for I just wanted to like throw out there for those who haven't heard or like are on the fence, each of the queens is kind of like this music is kind of based around different pop stars. So the way I ease people into the musical, if they're not sure, is to be like, OK, do you prefer Beyonce or like Adele or and then Anne Boleyn is Lily Allen and Avril Lavigne kind of like it's very pop, which I think is what makes it so entertaining. I think it's great for non-musical fans as well, or people new to musicals, because it's almost just like going to a concert, and you don't realize you're mm-hmm. actually seeing a perform, you know, a play or performance. So, it's a great uh, bridge was, show. Yeah, I was telling my coworkers about it, and one of them looked it up, and he looked at their costumes. He's like, "Oh, and it's like K-pop. Like their <laughs> costumes are like K-pop." And I was like, "Yeah, actually, that's pretty true." <laughs> Question nine, which. Frankly Limitless actor appeared on Broadway in The Elephant Man after previously playing the main character as his master's thesis for the actor's studio. Locked in. This is the last one, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. It is. It is. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to lie. I've actually been fine with all the play questions that you've been asking so far. However, the Elephant Man is a blind spot. Yeah, Elephant Man's a blind spot for me. I know Limitless is supposed to be a hint too, and it's just not connecting. And I'm trying to like, is it like it's either like it's got to be a TV show or a movie, and I don't know which one it is. Did you say this was for original production of Elephant Man, or was it for a revival? I didn't say, but I can give you the okay. hint that it was. Uh, if, you, recent... if you didn't say, then it's not fair to the other <laughs> gentleman. Did you hear all the clues she just gave me on that last question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to help. <laughs> I will, I'll say it. it's more recent than closer to the original, if that's like a good half hint for you. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get me there. <sighs> I've said it. I have more fun when everybody is getting things. You know, it's... I like to watch people succeed. <laughs> and unfortunately, you're going to see me trip and fall on my face here. Um, gosh, I feel like he also got a Tony nom out of this, too. Bloody heck. You know what? We're just going to go with Smith and hope for the best. All right. So JP in with Smith. Let's go to Jamie. Um I just picked up on Limitless, which was a movie with Bradley Cooper. So I said Bradley Cooper. And Keith? Yeah, I remember I really wanted to see this in New York because I heard uh, fantastic stuff about his performance, how he used like no prosthetics and he just sort of used his body to take on the deformities. And um, it was brutal for his body, but it is Bradley Cooper. Uh, That is correct. It is Bradley Cooper. Um, And he did receive a Tony nomination for this. Uh, There is footage online of um, him doing 
because he starts off kind of just standing straight. And then um, as he's introduced, watching him kind of do the contortions. Um, and it's really um, kind of astounding. What's really fun about Bradley Cooper, uh, speaking of the actor studio, if you ever go on YouTube, Bradley Cooper was a student of the actor studio, and you can see a young Bradley Cooper um, during Sean Penn's episode with James Lipton, and he asks a question to Sean Penn. It's pretty kind of it's pretty Aww. cool that he uh, was a student and then uh, I suppose became the master. Um, and thank you for the limitless reference there uh, to me, Kellen, with my migraine pill. I appreciate it. <laughs> I. Um... I also had Jason Borsum, friend of the podcast, did a um, playtest of this as well um, to kind of give me a litmus of what's gettable. Um, and he said this one might be a little bit tough. And so I was thinking of clues and then it, would, it fit pretty well. Um, okay, on to question 10. Earlier, I mentioned the show The Light in the Piazza. It's one of my favorite scores and one of my favorite cast albums to listen to. Fans of rom-coms might enjoy it, too, because the plot takes off after a meet-cute between Clara and Fabrizio in the town square after he catches what possession of hers that has flown through the air. Locked in. How, how's your knowledge on meet-cutes, Keith? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoy my rom-com. I might not be as good as you, Neil. But <laughs> Light in the Piazza is an album that I got a couple years ago because I heard fantastic things about it. And I've listened to it four or five times and it's probably just i probably need to sit down with wikipedia to like actually figure out what the story is because the songs are just like my mind wanders and i don't i couldn't name i was hoping you're gonna ask for kelly o'hara because that's like the one thing i know about like (laughs) um but based on the question i'm just gonna guess handkerchief all right handkerchief for keith let's go to jp uh if you could sit down with the Wikipedia article, but I believe there is a PBS Great Performances of this that exists somewhere. So I, I would so. suggest searching that out. Uh, as far as what flies through the air, I believe it is her hat. And let's go to Jamie. I also said hat. I only listen to Kelly O'Hara's song and skip all of Matthew Morrison because he's garbage. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was about to say, starring the sexy Grinch himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, what? what how, how creepy. <laughs> Um, I think everybody who went into that version of the Grinch kind of knew what they were getting into. Um, it, from it, understanding. it just seemed like uh, they wanted to do a musical. There's people at the the company at NBC who didn't know anything about musicals and just gave way too many notes because, you know, at some points he was too horny. Some points he was too kid friendly. Some points he, I don't know, his costume. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, it is her hat. Um, the fantastic Kelly O'Hara. Um, for you Gilmore Girls fans out there, there was a Chicago production before Broadway and the actor that played Marty on Gilmore Girls played Matthew Morrison's role. Um, that's a recording I wish I had. And, um, oh God, what's his name? Married to Philippa Sue, Bridges of Madison County. Stephen Pasquale. Yes. He also did, I think maybe in Seattle and there's some, let's say bootleg, audio audio um of him as well it's a really beautiful musical um especially like if you have the kind of knowledge of how the plot's moving through the music definitely follows that and makes a lot more sense uh well it looks like 10 questions have gone by super fast um but uh, the scores are still very close uh jp with seven and keith and jamie tied at eight 
And I do want to mention that the uh, the winner of this is going to be getting a T-shirt from Tee Public. Uh, we've mentioned on the earlier episodes, so we're really excited about that and our partnership with Tee Public. You can go to Tee Public and search Triviality Podcast. For a little bit easier, you can go to trivialitypodcast.com, click merchandise. It'll take you right there. But I do want to say that the um, the losers of this episode of this tournament will be getting a life size of Matthew Morrison's Grinch. So. <laughs> I think he said he took inspiration from Joaquin Phoenix's Joker performance. And I was like, why don't you just take inspiration from any of the other Grinch adaptations? Yeah, not the best inspiration for a, a kid's musical, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Yeah. Well, it's 2020. It's what we were given. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like <laughs> she should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> uh, okay, question 11. Ruthie Ann Miles is the only actress of Asian descent to win a Tony for Best Performance by an Actress in a Featured Role in a Musical for playing Lady Tiang in what musical? first performed on Broadway in 1951. She did later reprise this role on the West End. So I guess I can confirm it was a revival production. This is not the 1951 production. So I think I am going to lock in with The King and I. Okay, JP locks in with The King and I. Let's go to Jamie. I also locked in with The King and I. I was a little worried. At first I was thinking Pacific Overtures, and then you threw in that year, and I was like, no, that can't be it. And the uh, revival, uh, my wife and I watched the PBS Kelly O'Hara version, and it's definitely The King and I. It is The King and I. Um, and Flower Drum Song was 50s, but it was late 50s. So, yeah, that's a fair. Um, just for the record, um, 
B.D. Wong has won Best Featured Actor in a Play for M. Butterfly, and Leah Longa won Best Actress in Musical for Miss Saigon, but those are the only three Tony winners of Asian descent um, in the history of the awards. So that is something else that we should be (laughs) keeping an eye on, let's say. Um, Question 12. Mean Girls and Scottsboro Boys earned the same number of Tony nominations with 12, and... They both won the same amount of Tony Awards with how many? Locked in. Locked in. All right, JP. Three, two, one, zero. All right, let's go to Jamie. Zero. And Keith. Zero. It is zero. They shared the dubious honor of most nominations with no wins for a single show. Okay, question 13. This is a little bit more detail-oriented than any of the previous questions. Which wind instrument is not included in the lyrics to 76 trombones from The Music Man? And I'll give you three. It's one of these three. Piccolo, clarinet, or bassoon? Um, This musical was my first musical in the sixth grade. I played Winthrop in our junior high production. (laughs) the music man ron howard eat your heart out this is a fun show to play in the pit for play drums for it was was a good time oh yeah i have no no idea i really dislike this show (laughs) i know it's like (gasps) i okay let me rephrase that i don't like patter songs so this song i skip over like i like mary because you know classic ballad why not um but i can lock in with he says coronets, I know, and I don't know if he would say coronets and clarinets. So let's say clarinets. All right, clarinet for Jamie and Keith. I was also tempted with the clarinet cornet thing, but um, I remember there were clarinets of every size and trumpets who would improvise a full octave higher than the score. So I went with piccolo. And JP. I also remembered that clarinet line as well, and that left me with piccolo. It is Piccolo. It's a little bit of a trick because Piccolo is referenced in the Rock Island number at the very beginning. When he goes, and the Piccolo, the Piccolo, uniforms too. Um, but he says, clarinets are very si- um And then big bassoons, each bassoon having his big fat say. Um, Jamie, so uh, is it just the one song or is it like a general for the show that you're not a huge fan? Um, it's fine. Like I said, like I'm not gonna sit around like my house listening to pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just not my like relaxation jam. <laughs> <laughs> the um, revival movie. I don't know how. I guess the second, the the new movie with Kristen Chenoweth and Matthew Broderick and um, the redheaded kid from Shameless. Uh, it's it's odd to watch after watching the original Meredith Wilson. Um, well, he wrote the musical. It's weird to watch after the original movie um, because it's so similar, but also so different. Um, but this is one that I think I just have a sentimental attachment to. I would have liked to see the, what was the Washington DC Lincoln Center one with Jesse Mueller because she uh-huh. can do no and Chicago queen supporting my locals. Correct. <laughs> Um, I was excited to see the uh, Hugh Jackman Sutton Foster version, but uh, that won't be happening for a while. Yeah, I have something against that Hugh Jackman version because it kicked out Beetlejuice the musical. I was yeah. sad about that. I, I was lucky enough to see Beetlejuice, but yeah, it uh, 
unfortunately. Yeah, I, hope, I was hoping they would find another theater and maybe they still can once things open up. But um, it's complicated. It's all Broadway, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question 14. After losing her chance to play Grizabella in Cats due to a torn Achilles tendon, which prolific actress was cast in Tom Hooper's 2019 movie adaptation? I mean, you guys all love that movie. It was everybody's favorite movie of the year. Um, I'm holding off judgment until I get to see the butthole version. I was going to say they have to release the butthole cut. Um, if Snyder Cut <laughs> is coming out, the butthole cut has to come out. Wait, know the butthole joke? Uh, there was a version of the movie which included buttholes on all of the cats. And then they were like, this is a bad idea and edited them all out. So it, it exists somewhere. It has to like a saved file, but um, they've kept it from the public and that's a wrong that needs to be righted. Absolutely. I just love that like graphic artists went to college for four years to study this and they spend hours and weeks and months editing out cat buttholes from this movie. Well, and that and that was a rush job too. So you have to imagine uh, all these uh, artists are uh, working super, super overtime because it's you know demanded that the buttholes be removed, and they're probably not getting paid enough either. It's crazy, and that's what they have to go home with. Is I was at work for sixteen hours because I was trying to get rid of Judy Dench's butthole. <laughs> all right, Keith is in. So by JP's silence and him shaking his head, I'm guessing you either didn't see Cats or you didn't enjoy Cats the movie. Oh, no. I went and saw Cats on opening weekend. Thank you very much. You I go. know what torture does to my life, and I enjoyed that for some god-awful reason. <laughs> also, support when musicals come out, because Hollywood should do more of them, but good lord, not that adaptation. Uh, the one thing I will say, because I did see the show opening weekend, uh, the one good thing that I walked away from when I saw that show in the theater, there was a seven-year-old girl who had an entire row of the theater to herself. And she was dancing up and down that aisle and enjoying the joy of what to her is probably her first live theater experience. Was the show crap? Good Lord, yes, it should burn. But for that kid, that kid is going to remember that show and that kid is going to seek out musical theater because of that experience. And for yeah. that, I can't fully hate the show. Um, <laughs> That doesn't prevent me from locking in Judy Dench because I can't remember any of the other women in that show other than uh, Jennifer Hudson and uh, which I think Jay Hud is too young to have been considered for the original cast. And then the only other person would be Taylor Swift, who wasn't even born when the show came out. Uh, so I think I'm just kind of hamstrung locked into locking in Judy Dench for the sake of I erased all of my other memories of that show. <laughs> because it it didn't need to occupy space in my brain. <laughs> All right, well, JP locked in with Judy Dench and some uh, very uh, true words about uh, yeah, musical theater experiences for young people. And uh, let's go to Jamie. Uh, I also locked in with Judy Dench. And Keith. Yeah, I had a similar situation where it's a very interesting piece of trivia, but like JP said, J-Hud, I don't think was old enough. T-Swift, not Reb Will. Uh, Rebel Wilson is what I call Reb Will. Um, <laughs> but uh, I went with Dame Judy Dench. Um, it is Miss Dame Judy Dench. Um, so show note, I didn't know the answer to that question, and I made the Judy Dench joke, so hopefully that didn't uh, ruin anyone's answer. We all got it right, so I guess it's okay. But 
the scores. Totally threw me for a minute though. Because <laughs> I, I had no idea. I was just I was searching for who would have the funniest butthole to be editing. It would be Judy Dench because she's royalty. But I was just yeah. between her and Ian McKellen, right? The two most dignified actors you could probably throw in. Um, Ian McKellen playing asparagus, Gus the theater cat at the theater door. Um, she was going, yeah, she was going to be the original Grizabella, and then she tore her Achilles tendon, and Elaine Page had to take over, and so she was kind of like, oh, well, there goes that musical, and then Tom Hooper <laughs> swooped in, like, excuse me, ma'am, but I believe I have the answer to your problems. All right, so that brings us to our final question of the Broadway tournament. The scores are very close, and we will see how this is going to turn out. I just wanted to make a quick note uh, and say that uh, all of the uh, the Patreon subscribers who support our show at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast are making this bonus tournament possible. So thank you very, very much to all of you who are supporting the show, uh, either monetarily or by listens and downloads and sharing it with your friends and family. We really appreciate it. Just wanted to give a big thank you to all of you. And uh, let's get to this final question and see how it turns out. All right. For the big money t-shirt. Question 15. Thoroughly modern Millie uses a lot of tap dancing, but what feature of her apartment building requires tap dancing to function? Like, I've listened to this soundtrack six million times, and, like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've listened to this show, like, once, was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Sutton Foster exists, and, yeah, I really haven't revisited this show that much. This is very much a Cinderella story. The Sutton Foster, Thoroughly Modern Millie, oh, of yeah. replacing the original actress, and then the producers being like, actually, you can stay, and then her winning a Tony and becoming one of the most successful Broadway actresses of our time. Oh, I really wanted to go out with a bang, but I'll lock in with a guess. <laughs> I was about to say the exact same thing that I was about to lock in with a guess. All right, so everyone is locked in for this final question. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start with Keith. Uh, this, I guess I have to thank, uh, uh, friend Will Windsor Irwin, who cast me in Thoroughly Modern Millie a few years ago, because, uh, I, I don't know if the song is on being a dance number is on the album. Uh, but being in the show, I know it is her elevator that tap dances, uh, to go up and down. All right. Let's go to JP. You know, uh, if you can't have a good answer, have a good joke answer. Uh, let's go with a uh, tap dancing automated garbage disposal. I like that idea. And uh, let's go to Jamie. I thought New York. It's cold during winter. Radiator. It made sense in my head. <laughs> and radiator for those. Jamie. <laughs> um, all of those are excellent. Um, but the correct answer is her elevator. And I think that that's a feature of the movie, too, the Julie Andrews, Mary Tyler Moore movie, which I haven't seen in a long time. But I think that that's something they pulled from the movie. Well, uh, that uh, final question led us to a winner. Uh, JP and Jamie uh, are both finishing with a score of 11 points. They're tied there. We can just do a little quick, fun tiebreaker for them. But uh, today's winner is Keith. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. I uh, had some lucky uh, in my wheelhouse questions there. So uh, thank the Broadway gods and the straight play gods, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you will be getting a t-shirt from T Public, So thank you to all of them uh, for not only being our new merchandise supplier, but uh, being a great partner 
we'll work that out uh, and make sure to uh, check out our merchandise store um, to see what else you could be wearing that Keith could also be wearing. Um, but uh, JP and Jamie, you are tied at 11. So for fun, let's just do a tiebreaker just to uh, settle things. Okay. Um, Keith, pick a number one, two, or three to decide our tiebreaker. I'll go with my favorite, one of my favorite numbers, two. Okay. How this is going to be a price is right type question. So the closest answer without going over. How much money has the Lion King made on Broadway? According to the Broadway World website, it is still technically running, but it is closed for COVID. Does right rules closest without going over? Yes. But now I just want to choose one dollar higher than JP. <laughs> <laughs> this is a question for nice people, not me. <laughs> Should they both write it down just so that there isn't a, any? Um, sure. Yeah, we could do that. One dollar overing it. I can't tell if mine's like way too high or way too low, but I'm locked in too. All right. Uh, let's start uh, with uh, Jamie. I'm locked in with two hundred million dollars. All right, two hundred million for Jamie, JP. Well, we're playing by Price is Right rules, so I gotta hope my opponent makes mistakes. So I'm betting one dollar. One dollar for JP and Keith, just for fun. What was your guess? Yeah, I just wrote a number down because I know this is one of the highest grossing ones. Um, so I put one point two two billion with a B. All right, Kellen, who's right? The all-time gross, according to BroadwayWorld.com is $1,681,576,087. Wow. So it would have been Keith, but it is Jamie. <laughs> well, that uh, that means our final scores are going to be JP with 11, Jamie with 12, and Keith with 13. And uh, as expected for a Broadway tournament, uh, you all were directly in line, just like it would be a, a song or something. So at least that worked out. Um, well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, this was super, super fun. Hope we can do another Broadway tournament. Um, I know I would love that, and uh, it would be great to have Kellen back. But let's just start with our competitors. Uh, JP, any final words um, for the audience? And thank you again for joining us. Hey, it is my pleasure, as always, to be a part of this show. It's fantastic every time you have me back on. Uh, as far as shout-outs, this is a show that's dedicated to theater, uh, so I'm going to shout out uh, a theater company I worked with uh, when I was living back in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, one of the types of theater I really love to do is theater of social change or a theater with uh, political activism or themes in mind. And so I want to shout out Evolution Theater Company. Uh, they focus on theater with LGBTQ themes. And I did uh, three or four productions with them while I was living in Columbus. And I cannot shout them out enough. They are a fantastic theater. And I know that they have recently had to relocate. So I'm hoping their relocation goes well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of their 2021 season. All right. Well, thank you for that shout out. And uh, if you can uh, find and support uh, the Evolution Theater Company. Thank you, JP. Uh, let's go to Jamie. Any final words, shout outs, anything like that? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you. This was super fun to be with a bunch of Broadway nerds. Um, I'd say theater's struggling more now than ever, so go support your local theaters. I know a lot of big Broadway stars. If you go to broadwayworld.com, you can find um, them doing concerts, and a portion of the proceeds go to local theaters that you can support. So Petty Pone did one. Uh, Jesse Mueller did one. A few other people did one. So yeah, definitely go check those out and support our theater. So once COVID's over, we can be up and running. Too many theaters have closed in this last year, and it's heartbreaking. 
Yes, uh, totally agree with you on that and um, definitely support uh, all of those great causes. And uh, thank you for joining us, Jamie. And uh, Keith, our, our champion today, uh, any final words from you? Yeah, I guess uh, thanks to Neil and the Triviality Boys for doing this uh, side uh, Broadway show. Kellen, great questions. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear the questions that you wrote for episode one that I wasn't a part of and um, see how badly I probably would have done had I been in a different group. Um, <laughs> But um, I, I was in a play, my daughter is about two and a half years old. I was in a play, my first one since she was born earlier this year that was supposed to go up at the end of March. And obviously COVID hit, so we couldn't have our performances. And we're not sure if we're going to be able to do it when things get better next year. But uh, definitely a lot of theaters are struggling. And I know a lot of actors who do this for a living are struggling. Um, I did watch the um, Tina Fey hosted Broadway show at the beginning of December. And that was a lot of fun. And it reminded me about Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. It's a, a charity that I always used to go into the city the day before Thanksgiving to see two shows. And they would have the red buckets out. And I would always get their Carols for a Cure CD uh, for the past several years. And uh, this year, I actually finally bought the two albums that I've been missing from like 10, 12 years ago. Um, I was slowly catching up with all of the CDs. So those just came in the mail yesterday, I think. So um, if you can, the end of this year... If you have some extra money, uh, maybe donate to Broadway Equity, uh, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, because uh, I know they're helping a lot of actors there, and not even just actors, but stagehands, costumers, you know, all the people that help the show go on lighting, sound guys. So a lot of people are struggling right now. So uh, just be good to each other, wear your mask, and stay safe. Well, thank you, Keith. Um, Kellen, really appreciated you joining us, uh, taking uh, the place of Ken, Matt, and Jeff, um, who don't love Broadway as much as I do, but I'm glad that you were here. Uh, any final shout-outs or uh, words you would like to say? Um, yeah. Uh, Y'all said a lot of what I was going to talk about, about supporting theater and supporting um, especially local theater. I'm sure everybody who's listening has theater companies around where they live who are needing help right now. So finding ways to donate or, um, I'll support them. Um, a lot of people are going to start streaming previous performances and you can buy online tickets and that's a great way to support while also, um, getting to enjoy live theater from your own home. Um, uh, I want to shout out, like I said, Jason and Jesse who helped me kind of play test and come up with some questions for you guys um to all the theater educators i've had um big thank you for you know i feel like theater educators do a lot and don't always get a lot in return um so just a big thank you um and a quick plug um because it's now live um jesse oliver who i mentioned and i have started a podcast where we go through the Muppet canon, watching stuff, reading stuff, and discussing it. Um, at the time of recording this, we've released an intro episode, but also um, the Muppet movie, the John Denver and the Muppets A Christmas Together album slash TV special, and the Muppet Christmas Carol um, will be going up next week. And I think by the time this goes out, we'll have at least one more episode out. If you'd like to check it out, it's called Old Friends Who've Just Met um, a Muppets podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, we love anything Muppets, Kellen. So thank you for uh, joining us and everyone check out 
her show. Um, I'll just uh, kind of just pile on to, to what everyone else said. Uh, first, I just want to say uh, I'm super proud of uh, my partner, Colleen. She did uh, dual productions of Clue uh, that were streamed on Broadway On Demand um, in a pandemic, and they did it safely and successfully. And I'm glad she was able to do something for the kids. So uh, great job to her. Um, I wanted to say, uh, if you have any chance to donate to different uh, charities, some that were mentioned here today, there's one called the Actors Fund, uh, which can help uh, actors who are out of work, especially during a pandemic. Also, different crew members, filmmakers, um, behind the scenes, uh, craftsmen, and uh, and different types of workers. So uh, you can definitely check out the Actors Fund um, to help support uh, creative professionals who uh, aren't working right now. Uh, and then uh, just a final thank you. Uh, Kellen kind of uh, teed it off to educators. Um, I had three educators in high school uh, who were super special to me. One was Jamie's mom, uh, Diane Morelli, um, also Edward McCriskey and Kevin McColgan. Um, I can honestly say I would not be doing uh, anything professionally, whether it was in film or podcasting, without their tutelage. And they gave me the uh, ambition, uh, persistence, and confidence to uh, take on the world and share my talents uh, that they themselves cultivated. So thank you very much to them and all educators. Last words here, if you know an artist, if you are a fan of an artist or someone you know is a visual artist, a musician, actor, anything, just pay them a compliment because this has been a very hard year and uh, compliments can go a very long way um, to uh, helping an artist build confidence. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, one last thing, so long, farewell, Avita saying adieu and uh, no staying to taste champagne unless you're over 21. For Ken, Matt, Jeff, Keith, JP, Jamie, and Kellen, my name is Neil and that was Triviality. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? <laughs> We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. <laughs> New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts, search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.